What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We will be having a special guest, a Turn on the Jets legend, the man who hosts the TOJ pod on our old feed, Will Parkinson. He'll be joining us in a second. But uh, Stephen, before Will comes on, how you doing? How you feeling? What's going on? Nothing's happened with this team, right? Nothing. Never short of discussion topics uh, <clears throat> at one Jets drive. But no, I mean, I'm still good despite all the news. I'm still excited about week one. We are, what, 45 minutes away from uh, NFL kickoff with Bill's Rams set to go tonight. Um, and still, again, I'm, I'm maintaining my positivity. I was bashing you a little bit before the show because uh, last week you let that negative juju kind of get out in the open. And, and clearly you're the one responsible for everything that's going on around this team uh, this week and over the last few days. So other than that, though, I'm good, man. How you doing? Listen, I'm going to take blame for it because I put it in the air and things have happened. However, I got a lot of people coming at me yesterday and I apologize to them because I felt bad because I was too much negative energy yesterday and I've come around a little bit, but man, this, th- there's never, and we talked about this when Zach got hurt, we, we talked about this with the Kai and everything. This team cannot get to a point where the season is normal and I get it. Things happen. Injuries happen. You can't control it. It's football, you know, and all that stuff. But I want to, I always want to say this to the people who are saying me and others who are just being negative and being down on the jets. When you don't win a game in September, since 2018, when you haven't won a division game since 2019, this is how you should be treated until you flip the script. I'm sorry, but there is nothing more that I need to see to, to feel this way until they win. Like that's how I feel. And you got, you know what I'm going to say here? Robert Sala has got to figure out how to handle these things. Awful job. That's part of being a head coach. You got to play coy. I'm pissed about that. But you know what? Joe Douglas deserves a lot more criticism. He let this tackle situation get to the point with Dwayne Brown. And I get it. The Zach Wilson thing isn't his fault, but he had injury concerns. And it's just, I feel like Joe Douglas is like immune to criticism because, you know, he's been great with the Herdman trade. He's been great, great with the Elijah Vera Tucker trade and the Jamal Adams trade, but we haven't won anything. So who cares? That was my rant, Steven. Let's go. <laughs> all right. So I think there's a lot of things to unpack here, obviously. I think all things can be true. Um, Jets fans, rightfully so, should be upset, frustrated, annoyed with the Zach Wilson news. The fact that it went from potentially starting week one to now the earliest he could be back is week four against Pittsburgh really doesn't make any sense. Um, I think you're spot on. Sala needs to learn how to handle these things better. And there's no question. There's no bigger supporter of Robert Sala than than me. I still believe in him, Uh, but he's losing credibility here. And whether it's on him to do it, whether it's the training staff to do it, uh, you know, I really don't know, but either way, he's the front man and he has to get better with this stuff. So all these things can be true. You should be upset. You should be frustrated. You should be annoyed about the Zach Wilson news, but you can also still be optimistic about this opener and this season on the whole. Which I don't I think. Am. I yes. Am. And, and the thing is, you know, I'll say the Jets are arguably better at every positional group than what they were last year. And I don't even think that the arguable is really necessary. I think they're better in all facets of the game. Um, so we should feel optimistic about this. You should feel optimistic about the season. You can still feel good about the fact that Zach Wilson isn't done for the year and that he's going to return at some point. At the same time, you could also feel frustrated that 
we're going to see another season where our supposed franchise QB is not going to play a full season. And he's probably going to play at most what now 13 or 14 games, which is extremely frustrating. So to your point, if this is a ploy to limit Zach's Zach Wilson's um, exposure to a tough schedule of teams or a subpar offensive line, then either Zach Wilson isn't the guy or shame on you for not building up that offensive line to have more depth and be better in front of your second year quarterback. I just think it's a culmination of so many things. There's a lot of emotions going on and Jets fans, you know, not, we're not always reasonable, but I think here we are. And it's, it's been 50 years of history where to your point, man, shit like this has happened. We've been dying for a franchise quarterback. We've been teased with guys that we thought were it. It's never worked out. Since Joe Namath, you know, to, to Richard Todd, to Ken O'Brien, to, you know, uh, Vinny T thinking that he was going to be the answer late in his career. Chad Pennington, you know, could have been the guy that, that, that ultimately the shoulder just doesn't work out and he gets traded away to Miami or, you know, released and gone to Miami. Mark Sanchez fizzles out. Gino never happens. One year of Fitzmagic. Sam doesn't make it. And now Zach Wilson. I mean, you can't blame Jets fans for feeling the way that they do. Um, But again, all those things can be true all at once. You can feel all those things, but again, still be excited about the opener, which I choose to be because I still do believe that this roster top to bottom is a better unit than they were last year, regardless of the quarterback. And I'm, I'm not a all in on uh, and believer in Joe Flacco right now, but I do believe that he can hold down the fort and actually pull out a win or two in these first three weeks. So let's see how Sunday goes. Let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit on all this, but I think every feeling that any Jets fan has right now is completely and 100% justified. Yeah. You nailed pretty much everything. But the one thing I wanted to say was about like the, like just the feeling about what's been going on with them and like why I'm just like pissed it's not what's happening. It's how they're handling it. And I want to go yes. back to the injury stuff. It's like, we dealt with this with Akai twice. First last year when they're like, oh, he'll be back, you know, maybe by the bye week. Doesn't happen. Then he's out for the year. Then they tell us when he first gets hurt, he, he's going to be fine. Out for the year. We had, you know, Mosley, they were dancing around with it. Anunwa, and we have Will here. But Will, I'm just ranting off about the injury stuff. So you could jump in in a second. You have... um What's it called? Obviously, Zach, which they said two to four weeks. If it was going to be eight weeks, just tell us that. I don't care. Like, he's not out for the season like we all thought. Stop lying. And if you're not lying, what is the point of this? It's not – the gamesmanship stuff is just complete BS. And I'm like, I'm just tired of it. And it's even precedes Salah. And I'm blaming Douglas. Like, he – like, you can't run this team like this. It's embarrassing. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> Everyone can follow you at Will 11 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Host the Turn on the Jets pod. Sorry, it's a mid, mid-show intro, but I just need to rant a little bit. No, no, uh, you're good, man. You're good. I'm, <laughs> everyone needs to get. You got to get it out. You got to let. You got to let out the uh, let out the demons before you get the positive energy back. <laughs> and, we and, both said we're excited. It's not that we're not yeah. excited. And it's weird because Will has been like this beacon of hope and positivity in the TOJ slack, which is kind of taking over for Dalvin a little bit. I kind of jump in there, you know, with the, with the optimism, but Will, go ahead, man, just share your thoughts on, on everything going on this week, uh, where your overall sentiment is, what your thoughts are on how it's been handled, Zach Wilson, injury news, all this stuff, man. Let, let's have Yeah, it. so uh, I guess we can, we'll start with Zach because obviously that's the most important thing we get to other stuff, but the stuff, with, it's frustrating because – 
the gamesmanship stuff I get, right? Like it does make sense, especially like the Ravens are doing it right now. I'm sure if you guys already made these points, I apologize, but we haven't, we haven't talked yeah, about, okay. any so like, about the game. Yeah. Like it happens. Like Ronnie Stanley's not going to play on Sunday, right? Like it's clear as day. He hasn't played in a year and a half. Like he's played whatever. Right. But like, he's been limited in practice. So whatever the issue with the Zach stuff for me is that I got told right before it happened week three or week four. And I was like, I don't really trust this person. So I would, didn't say anything obviously, but it comes out that's actually the case. If that was the case from day one, like jumping from week one to earliest week four is just like doesn't really add up. Um, now, look, there. I've seen the alternative universe where he's really going to play next week and it's like, oh, we don't want Cleveland to think that – we want Cleveland to prep for Flacco until Wednesday and watch no. tape on it. Like I don't think that happens, right? Like Zach slipped no. up. He basically said this was the plan all along. Um it's just a bad look when you – the Jets leak the injury timelines, right? Like, just to be clear, like, it's Zach's agent and the Jets leak these injury timelines. A hundred percent. So, the, why, why the two to four weeks came out and then they walked it back. Um, I get – again, you want Zach to be 100% healthy, but, like, are you scared to play him? Because, like, week four is a top 10 defense. Week five is a top 10 defense. And week six is a top 10 defense. Oh, and week seven is also. So – like your hardest part of your schedule is there's no soft landing spot necessarily. So that part is frustrating. Right. And I get like, again, the optics of, I don't want to talk about it. Like he's a sh- he's a starting quarterback. Obviously everyone wants to ask questions about it. Um, don't be a head coach. If yeah, you don't want to talk about it, don't be a head coach. It's just, it's just, it's frustrating. It's, I don't understand like the Mackay stuff was tough, right? Like, and they came out looking not great with that. And I'm sure when he's gone in a year, there'll be some hit piece on how the Jets mishandled it. And, thousand percent. And, okay. and, yeah, right. And the Jets could do the same thing with Mackay and it'll be a whole battle and it'll end poorly for everybody. And hopefully that doesn't happen, but let's be real. That's probably what's going to happen. The injury stuff is just, it's frustrating because it's like why the timeline went from two to four weeks to, we're now really not going to rush him. And now it's really eight weeks. And that's, again, that's fine, right? Like if his injury was an eight week injury, like that's, it sucks, but at least it's obviously maybe he misses a month. You get 13 starts out of him. The Jets are one and three or two and two. He comes back week five at home against Miami. And like, it's a good defense, but he figures it out and they win. All of a sudden the Jets are two and three or three and two. And like, you're feeling fine. My biggest frustration with this whole situation is I've been told for months by everybody that's in my mentions and everyone that listens to the pod how bad Zach Wilson is. He's awful. He's terrible. The Jets need a new quarterback. He's the reason they were so bad. He's worst rookie quarterback ever. But then he gets hurt, and now the Jets all of a sudden, their run total is even worse, even though they just everyone told me how much better Joe Flacco was. So, like, make up your mind. Either the Jets are better with Joe Flacco, which they're not, but let's just say for argument's sake, you don't really understand football, and that's what you think. Um, that's fine. But then now all of a sudden, why are they, why is this season over? I don't understand. Like, that's what I'm, it's not, I'm kinda, it's not dude. At the end of the day, like these guys have to win games. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like this roster needs to win. It's all funny, like good. And we're like, we're rebuilding the culture, but like Elijah Moore's never lost before. So last year, aberration rookie year, they're rebuilding. They kind of semi tanked, but like, at, like they gave guys reps. Obviously, the Jets were ne- like we're not going to a year with Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles is like fifth and sixth rounders and the most one of the most important positions in football and just punting on it. They kind of did like an active tank last year, right? Like give Zach and all these young guys reps, but like we're not really trying to win yet. They've spent a ton of money. They have the highest paid offensive line in football. They have the second highest paid defensive line in football. They have seven top 36 picks in the last two drafts. They have the fifth highest. You now they just restructured Mosley. Mosley's not he's gonna be here now for another two years. So all this is to say, like, 
this is not punting on the season, but the frustration from fans, I understand it in the point of like, why did it go from week one to week four? Yes. I just don't understand the concept then now that the season is now over because yes. a stretch in which people kind of thought you were going to struggle anyways. Why all of a sudden does that now mean like, okay, cool. We're tanking. Let's get a top five pick. Like Anthony Richardson's awesome. And Brett, like, We've seen this movie before, though. Like the twenty, the twenty twenty one in class was supposed to be this elite class, and right now all of them suck except for one guy who is very average. Like mm-hmm. Justin Fields looks terrible. Zach Wilson looks terrible. Trevor Lawrence does not look good. Uh, Trey Lance hadn't seen him play since two thousand nineteen, and when he has, he's been pretty average, if not bad. So um, I know it's a long winded way of saying like the frustration is real, and I understand why people are frustrated. I'm just frustrated with. Joe Flacco was pretty much always going to start week one. Maybe there was an outside yeah. chance. It's I never thought goal. that. It's just going week one to week four earliest was definitely like, whoa, okay. Like now he's out week three, two, where I thought that might have been the softest landing spots, probably the worst defense of the bunch. At home, you're coming off a road game, Bengals team, like not a great edge rushing group other than Trey Anderson. So I get it. Just it's frustrating. I want to I want to touch on something you said, and Stephen also said this before we came on. It's just like about potentially hiding him from defenses that don't play in the NFL, play in the USFL or the XFL. Like, what are we doing here? If he's the best quarterback at the roster, he should be playing as if he's healthy enough to play. And you you held up, hit on it. It's just it's not that. And I always expected Joe Flacco to be playing Week One. That's not that's not why I'm mad. It's not why I'm frustrated. It's how did we get from he? It's you know potentially week three would be the latest situation to now it's no earlier than week four, and it's like just say that from the beginning. Like I don't understand what you're trying to do and accomplish by doing that. And I've floated this out here. People are like, you're, "It's a conspiracy theory," but like, is it really that crazy to think of Woody Johnson, who's all about perception and optics, is like, "Oh, I don't want people to not come to the first few home games because our our rookie our second year quarterback isn't playing." Like. I don't think it's that crazy to think that that's why they did what they did. Like, I'm sorry. Solid has to report into him. And if what he's telling him to do that, he's going to do it. He signs checks. Like I, I truly believe that that's why all this stuff was mishandled, but, and all this stuff has been going on with this organization for 50 years. And whether it's Woody, Leon Hess, whoever, that that's why I'm frustrated. It's not like what actually happened. Like it is what it is. Zach's hopefully going to play 13, 14 games. He's hopefully going to look good. And, you know, all the positive momentum that we saw from him, you know, in early August and like everything with the off season, you know, translates. It, it's fine. It's just like, why do we need to create drama and create just stuff in the tabloids that we don't need to do? Like this is supposed to be a fun, you know, you know, jolting gear for this fan base because like, Yes, playoffs is probably a stretch. I said seven and ten in the Badland season preview guide. I know, Will, I think you said the same thing. Steven obviously was a little more optimistic, nine and eight. They went seven games. This is awesome. Like they're like ascending. And then next year, it's like playoffs. Let's make the playoffs. Let's make some noise. Like it's just, I don't, I'm just tired of the nonsense. It's not football. Win games, it doesn't matter. They went on Sunday. I won't be talking about this anymore. I'll be happy. I'll be like, let's go 2-0, and and then let's see what really happens here. Sorry, that's another random. <laughs> no, I, I think – so, first of all, for fans, you can't operate with a clean slate, like, no matter what. They're, they're going to have 50 years of depression and um, a bad taste in their mouth, and specifically over the last decade plus, right? So regardless of whether or not this is a, a fairly new regime – you're still going to have to operate uh, knowing the history of this, this organization and this Jets fan base. And there's no question that 
we have the right to be skeptical of this training staff, specifically over the last, what, four or five years? And the way that this Longer. has been handled, right? And I know that even on Badlands, they talk about things like Quincy Inunua and Kalechi Semeli and things that, that were handled like that. So it's not out of the realm, out of the, out, out of the question for this fan base to be upset about that stuff. At the same time, I just said in the opening, I am a huge believer in Robert Sala. I still am. This doesn't change anything for me, but this is kind of the first chink in the armor for him in my eyes. I think he gets a lot of credit for simply not being Adam Gase and the stuff that he's doing is fun. And the, you know, the 60% and the, the Navy SEAL quotes and the, the way that he kind of, you know, collects the locker room and now that people want to play for him, that's all well and good. But ultimately he still has to win games on Sundays. Joe Douglas, Steven, you said it in the opening, six and twenty-seven, right? And as as really as a GM, where where this uh, this team is under his fingerprints, six and twenty-seven. This we're not saying it's playoffs or bust or Super Bowl or bust. No. But this is a this is compete or f off. This is a make or break season for for these guys and specifically for this roster. So I said it. This roster can compete. This roster yes. can win games, and. I, you know, I think Zach Wilson is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco, but I don't think the drop-off is that huge specifically no. in the beginning of the season. So this team should still, regardless of the Zach Wilson news, still should come out of September 2-2, two and two, at worst 1-3. and three. But you've got to get one of these first four games yeah, without you question. You no doubt go, about it, whether Flacco or Zach Wilson's under center. You can't go over September for the, what, fifth straight year? Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is the NFL, man. Teams with horrible quarterbacks have won games. Like, Duck Hodges won games. That guy shouldn't even be like on a team. Like, uh, I'm just so it's just ridiculous. And I like I I like fully expect him to compete on Sunday. And I know Steve, you're saying you're a big believer in Salah. I'm a little concerned because of how he's been handling some things and obviously how the defense look. If they start to look better, I'll be happier. But like, you know, the hot seat's it's warming up a little bit. The one person that I trust the most is Michael Floor. Like, if there's anyone on the staff that I trust the most, it's him. I don't trust Ulbrich. I don't think he did a good job. I know obviously the first month it wasn't as bad, but then they just got cooked. I guess Grant Boyer, like, he's been through three regimes, which is, like, crazy. It, like, the fact that he still wants to be around this team. But at the end of the day, win football games, and we're not having these conversations. Will, anything to add here? Yeah, I mean, I guess – it's a lot to unpack, right? Obviously, there's a lot of different things at play in terms of yeah. ass injuries and different training staffs and different players happening. Um, the issues that, like, it's just frustrating, right? You look at a lot of these good rosters. Like, coaching the NFL is paramount to any other sport. Mm-hmm. I'm the biggest soccer fan in the world. Maybe soccer is one of the only other sports where, like, you have such an input on every single little thing that's happening because, like, that's not – if you're running legitimate play substitutions for all these different things, right? They like they cannot get out coached this year outside of maybe a few games. Like you go into week one, the Ravens are unbiasedly a way better coaching staff, right? And just at this time, they're they're one of the best in the league. But that said, like the Ravens have a new defensive coordinator. They're putting in. Yes, he's been with the Ravens before. They're running a slightly different scheme, all these different things, right? The Jets have one of the few teams in the league where everyone kind of came back. They didn't lose many people. They lost a few different assistants that are like more positional coach level guys, and they brought other guys in. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about play callers on both sides of the ball and head coach, GM. They kept their whole front office staff together. You still and have Middleton. to keep – Yeah, you still have to – but you still have to keep – you got to keep things like in perspective. They, they need to compete, right? Like you can lose on Sunday. The Ravens are, you know, I was just looking through like the USA today ones, like 
there eight of the 10 writers put the Ravens in the AFC title game. I'm not sure I'm there yet with the Ravens. I have to see a lot of these guys. They have a lot of different things happening. Lamar was not so quietly pretty bad last year at points. Um, the Browns game, like just doesn't get talked about. He threw four or three or four interceptions. It was ugly and prime time Baker was worse. So no one cared, but um, hmm. like this Ravens team, if we're talking about week one, like, dude, if you've come out flat on nine 11 at home, like the, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like it's week one. Like, and a lot of the guys on the team I talked with, they feel great. They're excited. They're all fired up. Got to see it. Like, yeah, you know, week Talk one, they got, they got punched in the mouth last year. Bad week one. They got punched in the mouth really bad week two. They got punched in the mouth really, really bad week three. And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked into the Titans game. That stuff can't happen. I know, you know, Joe mentioned it a little bit on Badlands, but. But, like, well, you were at the yeah. game. They yeah. honestly were asleep until the second half. They didn't really do anything in the Man, first the half. the Titans, Titans game, game was pretty ugly, too. And then all of a sudden, they, had the, one, they, had, the one, <laughs> they had the one drive to the end of the first half, and all of a sudden it kind of clicked. Um, there's a lot of talent on this roster. Like, I, I just don't – I don't buy into the fact that, like, like I've, talked, I've talked about this for six months on my show. Like, there's only one bad scenario that happens this year, and it's – we don't know if Zach doesn't gets hurt, and we don't know if he's any good. Like, that's the only bad scenario. If Zach's terrible, who cares? Because in the end of the day, the NFL, the way it works, the Jets have enough ammunition. If they want to go get a quarterback, they can figure out a veteran or you can trade up in the draft. Like, all that stuff. And no matter what happens, it can show you you can pay anybody and you can get any draft pick you want if you're willing to pay for it. If the roster is good and they win seven games and they need a new quarterback because Zach's not good – yeah, it's obviously going to be unfortunate. People are going to be bummed out, but like you'll figure it out. It means maybe you're a quarterback, maybe you're the Dolphins or you're the Browns or you're one of these teams where you are one guy away. The obviously ideal scenario is they are good or good enough. They take a big leap. Zach takes enough of a leap. You feel confident and you have one or two more pieces you add to him next year. You added one more guy receiver and you let Corey walk and you had one more edge rusher and one more safety. And all of a sudden you're like, now we're the Dolphins where everyone's kind of picking us as we can compete with Buffalo. We have every single weapon possible. We've invested all this money. You just can't be caught in no man's land, which is what I'm the only situation. Like I mentioned, that's a problem is if Zach now is out to week eight, week nine, all of a sudden it's, Oh, this guy's hurt. And this guy's hurt. And you start making your excuse of like, see, we need another year. We need more picks. We need more of this. At some point, it's not even just like put up or shut up in terms of playoffs, because as I'm not going to, I picked them to be eight, nine, I mean, that's probably slightly optimistic, but at the same time, but at the same same time, like, is it that optimistic to the fifth, like the fifth most expensive roster in football? Like, Mm -hmm. and they have all these picks that everyone said are amazing. And yeah, they might, they have a tough start to the schedule. I'm sorry. The Ravens are not the 2007 Patriots. This isn't right. The Browns are playing without their starting quarterback and they weren't that great last year. So like, Week three, you're playing the Bengals. You just beat them with a third-string guy who we all know is not very good. And, yeah, you might have caught them off guard. They still beat that team last year. The Jets were banged up. They had nobody playing. Mm-hmm. The Bengals came in there, and the Jets rolled them. Like, yes, it was a close game at the end, but, like, the Jets put up 40 points. Like, that doesn't happen. And if there's a, listen, if there's a time to beat the Ravens, it's week one when they don't know what to expect out of you because they have nothing on To 12. be fair, the Ravens of week one are exceptional. They are so I'm, good in week one. I, I get it. I understand No, that, I know. Just, like, that's because they're a well-coached team, right? At the end of the day. Week put, one, though, anything you. happens. Half the time it's an anomaly of yeah. the actual season is. So if you're going to do it, this is when you can do it when they don't have enough film on you. 
Look, yeah. at, at the end of the day, week one's a crapshoot. We see it exactly. every single, we see it every year. Dude, last year New Orleans steamrolled Green Bay by 45 points. Aaron exactly. Rodgers looked washed, and then he literally had one of the most impressive seasons I've ever seen. So, like, again, <laughs> things ha- things happen. Exactly. Arnold looked amazing last year for the first three weeks. They were 3-0. You're like, oh, no. Like, we might have – this might, this is bad. Like, now they, he's they on the league. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, again, obviously everything is a crapshoot in week one, as I mentioned. But, like – Man, like you look at Pittsburgh, for example, who they play week four. The Steelers have what three or four guys you really are like, yeah, you're scared of Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Minka on the back end, and then on offense, like Deontay Johnson and Claypool and these guys, like, sure, and whatever. I'm not going to get into the uh, their offensive line there. stinks. Like, my, if this my, defensive right, line is any my good, point, the roster is not that good, right? Yes. They you just looked, the roster's not good, and they have no quarterback. And people are still like, yo, they could win eight or nine games pretty easily because they're well-coached, they're well-disciplined, you know what you're going to get. Can we get to that level of sustainability where it's week in, week out, the Jets are no more than – yeah, maybe they play Buffalo, they'll be a 10-point dog or whatever. But Whatever, I expect. Can you get to the point of every week someone goes, you're going to compete, there'll be a one-score game in the third or fourth quarter. You'll give yourself a chance, you'll be well-coached, not done penalties, you'll make kicks, you're not going to turn the ball over. You get to that point – and now all of a sudden, all these guys start to roll a little bit. You see a step. That's what you want. You just can't have these games where it's like, man, 17-0 in the second quarter. They've gone up and down the field three straight times. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Three and out, three and out, first down, turnover. Like That stuff can't happen anymore. No. And if you don't see that, it's as much as this is the lowest bar possible. Just be a – just that's that's what I'm asking for. Be yeah. <laughs> a normal team that flies around plays hard every week. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, there's a couple of morals to that story. Well, so I think the first one is, is exactly your last point. I think all Jets fans are really being reasonable with their expectations the, for this year. The bar is not that high. Just be competitive, eke out seven or eight wins, and we're all going to be happy. Show the, that the trajectory of this team is on the rise. The second is let's stop pretending that this AFC North, the first four games is like a gauntlet. It's really not. Like we, we need to just get out of that. Well, you summed it up perfectly. Thank you. Right. We're set. We're not- <laughs> I mean, listen, is it not an easy schedule? Yeah, probably. But it's not like we're playing murderer's row here. So let's get out of that. And the third thing that you said, Will, and I think it's at the basis of every Jets fan feeling right now is that we all know that if this season comes down to it's an incomplete for Zach Wilson, then that's the worst possible scenario. So that's why this news of him being out until at least week four is a gut punch to all of us, because that's all that we don't want. We want to know whether he's the guy or whether he's not. I listed off all the quarterbacks since Joe Namath that we all thought might have it, and it never worked out, and that's why we're here. That's why you can't erase the 50 years of of Jets history that's in the back of all of our minds. It's exactly why this was such a kick to the nuts when we got this news from Sal on Wednesday. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And you know what? If Zach's not the guy, so be it. It's that's not fine. like we haven't seen it before. It's been yeah. happening and happening and, and happening. Exactly. And if, you, and if you bought a jersey before he proved anything, you're an idiot. Like, I'm not buying any more quarterback jerseys until they sign a contract extension. I think that is a very good rule to live by. But I feel like that's like why people get to like, this guy burned me. And I like, don't buy it. Don't buy the quarterback jersey when he gets drafted. Yeah, That's 13 easy. games in, I don't know how many, many people are getting burned. Like, that. at the end of the day, you got to have a little bit of patience. <laughs> Give us some but, time to marinate. No, you have to get, yeah, I mean, look, Zach, what's the only part, and we can move on to something else, obviously. I don't want to harp on Zach forever. But <laughs> Sorry, I'm fired day, up. No, no, no. At the end of the day, like, the week leading up to the Eagles game was the best I've seen Zach look at, like, 
since he's been in the league. Honestly, he looked just as good as he did in college. Every single practice, I was there three or four times over that week period. Every single practice was either virtually zero incompletions, quick decision-making, making some big plays, highlight-level throws, was moving around, moving in and outside the pocket, had commanded the huddle. Four of the seven practices, four of the six practices were like either shells or not even with pads. So, again, with a grain of salt, which is why when people say Joe Flacco is out playing him, no, if you're not getting hit at 37, you can't move. Usually you have a better practice. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Whatever. Joe left a lot of clean pockets against the Giants. And if that happens on Sunday, they were going to get torched. Um, but look, like that's what's frustrating about Zach. And then he comes out in the first drive, makes the mistakes he made early on last year where he couldn't hit guys wide open and he made stupid like I'm too cool to be here throws and like then the second drive kind of figured it out a little bit and then he obviously makes the dumb whatever he makes the cut and obviously you can tell him to run out of bounds it's got to be weird for solid Jimmy G literally did the exact same thing for no reason tried to stay in bounds running and that Niners team that was you know with the year before they went to the Super Bowl when like they had all this expectation they finished off strong and then week two the next year like tears ACL and it was a mess but if Zach needs to get back to like, he just needs like someone needs to shake him. Like every time he tries to like revert back to bad habits, like when he's locked in, the arm talent is there. The athleticism's there, the maturity, like he's a good kid who wants to do well. Like all that stuff's there. The only thing I can't stand is like, dude, just repeat the same thing over and over again. Like they, like they, they just shake him Right. Like, and that's what they, they were doing all off season. It's like, he started to play well. That's what's frustrating. You missed the reps, all that stuff. End of the day, Joe Flacco is going to play the first three games. He's played better for the Jets than he played for the Broncos, for whatever it's worth. So I guess that's with that. Gaze, still, with still Gaze, has, right? Still hasn't won a start since right. October of 2019. At the end of the day, you know, maybe that'll break. Maybe you know, some uh, some terrible streaks of 12 straight losses are meant to be broken, and hopefully, maybe it's week one. You never know. But like the point, like I get that, and everyone's just like, oh yeah, he hasn't won a game in forever. But like. Look at the teams he played on. Like, they were awful. Like, it's quarterback wins is the dumbest stat because it's a team game. Will, you played football for your entire life up until you, you graduated college. Like, anyone who says that a quarterback wins should be a stat is dumb. Like, it's coaching. It's the roster. Yeah, I get it. He, he had the worst coach in, like, the modern era as coach in 2020. And he still actually looked pretty competent at times. Like, remember when we all were freaking out because they almost beat New England on Monday night? He played really well that game. Like, yeah, you can so, say what you so want. Yeah, this is my one thing that he cannot do, and he's done in every single Jets start. The numbers always look good. It's always 300, two touchdowns, and a pick or a fumble. There's one turnover or one fumble in there, and it's a matter if it gets caught or not. You know, a lot of times he's known for like throwing it up deep and getting a pass, pass interference call. That was his calling card in Baltimore. He did it against the Patriots game, and then that turnover totally slipped the game. And yes, there's a lot of other things that happened. The Chargers game was really good the whole game. He had the one really awful pick six on an out route. The Giants game the other day. Oh my God, that was awful. He was he was bad against the Giants, and I think whatever when you're 37 and you're playing in a preseason game when you've made all the money in the world and you're playing against. He didn't Batman. care. He yeah. right. Exactly. You can even throw that a one away. Miami game last year totally doesn't see a rusher literally fumbles when they're down in the red zone to go take the lead 14 to 10. They end up turning it over the Dolphins take the lead. They can't figure it out. So just if you can eliminate that one key mistake or the Jets get the ball to bounce their way, he fumbles and they recover it. Whatever reason, it's a defensive holding penalty on an intercept, whatever it is. If he has that one throw, the Ravens, I think they're one in six or one in seven in their last 
eight row games where the team doesn't turn the ball over. And like, they're like 28 and four when the team does. So if you can eliminate turnovers, I know Connor talks about it all the time, like run the ball, like, dude, you have the number one highest paid offensive line in football. And this scheme that's supposed to epitomize how good Brees Hall is and Michael Carter is, can you move somebody on the interior? Can you, can you do something there? You have a top 12 pick at guard or top 14 pick at guard. You have a pro bowl left guard. You have a center making $10 million a year, right tackle making 12, 13 million a year. Dwayne Brown was making, was, if he plays, and even if he doesn't, you have a fourth round rookie who's going to be playing right tackle on that left. The Ravens have two edge rushers on their roster, two, not 15, two. Travis Jones, their best defensive tackle. And he might not play. And he might not play. He's not. Yeah, he's not playing. So, Clay Campbell's 55 years old. Great guy. Incredible humanitarian, like Pro Bowl level player for the last decade. Can Lincoln Thompson can block Aaron Donald. But when, you know, that's his, that was the whole thing in one dread stride. That's great. Go block Clay Campbell. He's 40 years old. Figure (laughs) it out. And it's not disrespecting him. It's just like, this can't be, Patrick Queen can't cover anybody. Marlon Humphrey missed the entire year. Patrick and uh, Marcus Peters whole entire year. Kyle Hamilton, 50% missed tackle rate in preseason. He also may not even play. He might even start. He might not even start that guy. It's just like, it's just like this defeated victim mentality. It has like, if you go into the game is where it's like, Oh, we have no chance. Yes. Lamar is the number one. The Ravens have a very good, they have a lot of talent and Lamar is awesome. I'm not downplaying any of this stuff. I understand it. And you can do the same thing to the jets. Oh, this guy can't cover. This guy can't do this. But, like, you're in the NFL, figure it out because that's what teams do. The Jaguars smoked the Bills last year. Smoked them. The Jets hung with the Bills for three quarters, but they lost to the Patriots by, by 150 points. Like, that's the stuff I'm talking about. Like, oh, it's the Patriots. Oh, it's the Ravens. Dude, the Raiders beat them on week one last year, too. The Bengals smoked them twice. Figure it out. Yeah. I You brought up also, a lot of great points. I mean, listen, the end of the day, the Jets have some – you know, position advantages against them. It's not like they don't like. Yeah. Well, the you, problem is that the only two that really matter in football, they don't have, which is the reason that the Ravens are a touchdown favorite for being. Yes, honest. of course. But you know, Lamar is going to scramble. Like everyone has watched, watched this guy for what, five years, right? He's going to move around, contain him, put someone spy. Like, you know, that's going to happen. Like figure that part out, like keep him, keep him in the pocket, make him beat you with his arm, which he can do, but he's not as good as that. Like he's better when it's off script, which is what Zach Wilson wants to be. But Zach Wilson actually has a better arm talent than Lamar. Like, I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't mean he's a better quarterback, but his arm is crazy. And like, you can say what you want about Zach Wilson, but like, he really has a like a superstar NFL arm. If you could ever figure it out. Um, we kind of already previewed it, but Steven, I want to give you two matchups that you think uh, if the Jets win, they could they could win this game. Give me those two, and then Will, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Yeah, so I think obviously um, the matchups is the Jets' defensive line against the bang up, a banged up Ravens' offensive line. So that's that's first. I think the return of Carl Lawson, the addition of guys like Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens. When you couple those uh, now with hopefully Quinn and Williams being ready to take that next step. Uh, you know, that's really a key factor in this game. So a banged up O-line on the Ravens side, if the Jets D-line can really get after Lamar Jackson um, and make him uncomfortable, that's probably the biggest thing. I think the other one for me is, and it's no no secret really to Jets fans, is can they cover Mark Andrews? The Jets haven't been able to mm-hmm. cover a tight end in forever. They weren't able to cover cover Dallas Goddard last oh year in that Eagles God. game, and then it showed up again randomly in that preseason game too on the first drive. So, like the addition of Quan Alexander, I'm hoping 
can be kind of that guy that maybe can run with a with a tight end and cover him up. But really, the, it, it, it really boils down to me is that the two guys that really scare you on this Ravens team, especially with all the injuries they've had. Dobbins not probably not going to play. Gus Edwards not going to play. They're down to their third and fourth running backs. The two guys that scare me, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. And if they can contain one of them, that makes me feel a lot better about the Jets' chances to win on Sunday. Yeah, good stuff. Will, what about you? What are the two key matchups? That you, do you think the Jets win? They can win this game. Um, I would say somewhat similar, their edge pressure and like their ability to not only get to the quarterback, but contain um, Rice Stanley not playing. They have two, I'm going to reiterate this after the 15th <laughs> it's time. It's fine. They have four or five former first round picks, most of whom are like top five, top 10 picks. They have multiple guys making double digit million dollars a year. They have other guys like Jacob Morton and Bryce Huff is like your fourth and fifth best edge rushers. And they're not bad. No, no, they're not. I mean, I'm biased because I like Bryce a lot, but Bryce is good. I when when he got I hurt, forget last about year, him. That just shows he, how deep this D line is. I consistently forget about Bryce off and the fact that he's even there, and he's a, a good player, like a good backup uh, edge. If you look at their numbers, weeks one through four, when he was on the field, their defense was good, and then the second that they, um, you know, then he got hurt. All of a sudden, things kind of went to uh, look. Carl Lawson's got to play well. You got to get Quinn Williams to have an impact. Like that D line is going to anchor them. Um, I, I would say the other. I'll give you like the other. Only other defensive one is Michael Carter, Whitehead, Joiner. That combination of those guys on Andrews, as you mentioned, can you do enough to just like stifle him at the line? Can you trip him? Can you do things? Can you make him? Can you hit him in every single run play and get him like worn down throughout a game? Um, so maybe that drop that the drops that he had early on in his career, where it's like Lamar had like half his interceptions on Mark Andrews drops and stuff. Um, offensively, the matchup like their linebackers don't cover. Like they, I shouldn't say they don't cover. I mean, watch <laughs> watch watch the Bengals. Look, if watch either of the Bengals games last year, like the Ravens brought pressure and they he gave Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama, and they just left him out there on Patrick Queen and the rest of that linebacking core, Tyus Bowser and all these guys, and they torch them right like you have the, one of the most expensive tight end rooms you have one of the most expensive receiver rooms you have this scheme again you have guys that get open against man the ravens scheme we'll see how they run it because usually it's just a lot of cover zero and a lot of man and they just blitz the house and like what's what the giants did obviously in that preseason game which is why again they were a good matchup their defense is going to be a lot like we'll see how much it's bad versus much them showing showing they're going to blitz all these guys and then dropping and being a little bit more kind of not so Rex Ryan-ish and not so <laughs> Wink Martindale-ish. That said, like, can Braxton Berrios, who we saw last year, get open against man? Elijah Moore, get open against man. Um, Corey Davis, not quite as much, but Tyler Conklin had this great summer, right? But now Do let's it. use now use him. Get these backs. Brees Hall on um, Patrick Queen in a, in a one-on-one. Like, can you get him in the open field? That type of stuff. So just the, the middle of the field, you got to be able to, like, in this scheme, like, that's – you got to be able to – attack the middle of the field and give Joe Flacco easy throws to make quick stuff like that. Then you can take your deep shots. Once you start to beat them short and they have to kind of stop, you know, stop blitzing quite as much. Yeah. You know, a lot of good points there. Um, for me, we already talked about it, but containing Lamar, keep him in the pocket, make him beat you with his arm is, is the, is the biggest thing. But offensively run the football effectively. You have two running backs who you, you believe in, you think they could be like, one of the best one-two punches in the league long-term. Brees Hall, Rich Shemini said on his podcast when his first episode for the season, 
They think he could be the most talented player on the roster. I don't necessarily agree with that, but if they think that, use him like that. Give him the football. Give Michael Carter some, you know, out of the backfield catches. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting is how does Sauce hold up against Bateman? He's going to be shadowed on him. Mm-hmm. How does he hold up? He's got the size to keep up with a guy like Bateman. I think he's actually taller than Bateman. I think Bateman's like, what, 6'1", and Sauce is 6'3". So I think that's going to be interesting. Bateman's never been, you know, the guy. He's the number one receiver. Like, that's the other thing. The re- other than Mark Andrews, who the hell is catching passes on that team? Devin Duvernay. I, there's another guy. I forgot his name. I know Isaiah likely has been, like, someone that people are really liking and think he could have a, a solid rookie season. At the end of the day, how many rookie tight ends have really done anything? I hope this doesn't come back to bite me. But it's not. it's a hard position to transition from college to NFL. So sauce beating Bateman is key. I, I mean, Andrews, I know, is going to kill us at some point. But if you can contain everybody else, I mean, don't get your doors blown off on defense by Kenyon Drake, who is washed, and Mike Davis is washed. Like, remember, like, Duke Johnson in the Dolphin game last year? Like, if they do that again, oh, my God. Like, you cannot allow that to happen. Like, I'm sorry. There's no excuse. You have defensive line talent to get through. I mean, Mosley's obviously really good. I think Quan's going to be a really nice in the run game, and even Whitehead's good in the run game. So it's just like these are the things you got to do. And if they do them, you never know what could happen. It's it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, it's Week One. I crazier things have happened. So with that said, will record prediction? I mean, not record prediction. Well, we'll do game game prediction, and then you'll give us your record prediction if you've changed it, which I think you said eight nine. If not, we'll keep it at that. So what's the game prediction? Uh, I go 31, 20 Ravens. I think it's, I think it's close for a good amount of the game. Um, I think it's like 28, 17 or something like that. The Jets kick a field goal and need to stop or whatever. Yeah. They get it to 28, 20 and then the Ravens kick a field goal, ice the game kind of similar to the Dolphins game last year where it was close. And then they need to get one stop. They couldn't get that stop, but they keep the fans engaged. Elijah has a nice day. Elijah. <laughs> Elijah is a nice day. Um, I think I'll go Sauce Gardner gets a pick in his debut, but the Jets just can't get those one or two stops they need. Um, and Flacco makes one dumb interception that, you know, and the rest is history, unfortunately. That's not, and it sounds pessimistic, but I'm just trying to like not, if you ask me this in two days, I'm sure I would say the Jets are going to win, but right now it's, it's, it's still Thursday. So I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll go Ravens 31 20, but the Jets are competitive, show some progress. Okay. Steven, what about you? You're more optimistic than anybody. You can't, you can't bring me down. So my worst fear, I think is all Jets fans worst fear is that the Jets win the coin toss, decide to kick Ravens come down. No problem. Down their throat. Boom. Seven, nothing. Jets return with like a three and out. And then all of a sudden. It's that's just what my dad said. He gets the game's over if that happens. <laughs> it's it's, it's 100% true. So that's not going to happen, though. That's not my prediction. I think the Jets D-line holds up to their reputation. I think they actually come out and play well, uh, well enough to contain Lamar. I think you see a couple of sacks in there. I think Carl Lawson shows what he's really about and gives Jets fans the hope that he is what we all thought he could be. I think the running backs impress. I, I, I'm really a big believer in Brees Hall. Um, I think obviously Michael Flores is, is a big believer in, in Michael Carter saying that, you know, he's the heartbeat of this team in the, in the back or this offense in the backfield. I think Elijah makes a couple of big plays. Um, and, and really, I honestly, I think that I'm going to say that the Jets win this game 27, 24 in a last second Greg's airline field goal. Wow. All right. All right. You sound like Dalvin. I respect it. I'm just, it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to 
it. Just get it into existence, man. Get all okay. that negative Zance juju out of here. Okay, okay, okay. So I've been negative. Very negative, very heated. I've been fighting with you guys in the Slack. I, I've been I've been very negative. However, I think it's a good game. It's a competitive game. I think they cover the number, which is up to seven and a half. It was like six and a half, seven. Now it's at seven and a half. It could be even more by game day. I think, like Will said, they're going to be in the game the whole time. And they're, I think the Ravens are going to end up winning. It's going to be 24-21. Jets lose by a field goal. If that happens, I'm okay with it. It me, you know, it, I'm going to the game. Will you're going to the game? It's just like that's that's all you can ask for. Like if they win, man, it's going to be amazing. But the Ravens are the better team. They got the better coach. They got the better quarterback. A lot of the time that happens. Like how often does that combination not usually win out? Of course, things do happen, but that that's really what it comes down to for me. And I I love John Harbaugh. He's a great coach. You know, he's always been more forward thinking, and you know, he's done it with two different franchise quarterbacks. So. Until until you see them start to decline, there's no reason to think that they're not going to be a contender other than injury. So that's my thoughts. I'm hoping for the best. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Will said in two days. They're gonna be so convinced in the parking lot that they're gonna win this game. Probably not, but you never know with me. Will I'll, feel, I'll feel better if Dwayne Brown uh, Dwayne yes. Brown plays. Yes. Okay. Likely not going to happen based on the fact that he hasn't practiced once this week, and no one has any idea when he got hurt, and no one has any information on it. Um, which is sketchy, but, um, you know, signing a 37-year-old midway through training camp is always probably not the best idea from a health perspective. That said, um, I would like, if he's playing, you feel better. He looks pretty mm-hmm. solid um, in that debut. Obviously, Max Mitchell and, and Fant back at left tackle now, moving for the third time in the last six weeks, <laughs> would not be ideal for a guy also coming off a knee injury. So let's see. But, look, there's no reason to not be optimistic at this point. There's nothing else to do. You suffer all year with no football past January. The draft reaches, you get all excited to then just be out on the season is boring. Like, why watch? I don't want to see a mock draft. All due respect to Connor and Trev on their show and everything. Like, <laughs> I, I already saw another. I already saw them already mock draft the Jets in the top five and taking another edge rusher. Like, oh my God, please. That's great. And they do an incredible job. And I know that's what they have to do. But like, I can't think about that stuff right now. I want to no. just watch. Enjoy the season. Enjoy the season. At least enjoy the first month while all the way through. While you can yourself, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just enjoy it. Yeah. So, Will, uh, obviously, doing an amazing job on the TOJ Pod. You know, we love supporting you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys don't haven't subscribed to the Pod Charlie Jets Podcast, um, it's our sister podcast. We used to be on that feed. Uh, Will, any guests that you want to tease before we let you go? Um, not nothing that's i mean kyle brand will be on next week or the week after nice uh, very nice fun for a second time that episode was everyone loved that one because it's a very interactive one um there'll be a bunch of there'll be a bunch of different people obviously uh just spoke, sat down with bryce huff yesterday so check really that good out one. check that out um bryce is a man of few words but like there's actually some definitely interesting stuff in there weirdly <laughs> wants to play the, the steelers the most so i guess the whole jets roster apparently really wants to play the steelers which, <laughs> which is certainly a choice um but yeah i mean at the end of the day um yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it and make sure you guys are you know guys are doing a great job make sure you're tuned in all the shows and uh yeah i appreciate you having me on of course of course so yeah like i said don't forget to subscribe to will's pod Follow him on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WillPaul11. I feel like I'm reading the beginning of your show. Uh, make sure you're also subscribed to this podcast, uh, Turn the Jets Live on the Apple and Spotify, our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Turn the Jets TV. 
And if you're not already, you know, a bad lad subscriber, the season preview guide is awesome. You know, Will did a great job in there. Connor, Joe, uh, Stephen and I have our record predictions in there. Uh, it's really good stuff. Best premium Jets content you're going to get anywhere. Um, and obviously make sure you check out Profit Exchange if you like to gamble and you're a New Jersey resident. You know, it's the only, um, what's it called, a betting exchange in the United States. It's going to be spreading out more, but it's super cool stuff. And it's the proud sponsor of Badlands. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will talk to you next week.